Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. We've been in a series called A Better Goal. Turn your neighbor and say, A Better Goal. Turn your other neighbor and say, You better get a goal. Any goal. <laughs> Hey, hey, so we all know what it's like, right? Where we set a goal. Well, you know, I don't know. There might be some of us who are like, I've never set a goal. Today, today might be that day for you, okay? But we all know what it's like where we set a goal and it doesn't work. It doesn't, for whatever reason, it just doesn't happen. And so what I want to talk about today is how God wants to give us grace and the gap. Why don't you pray with me? God, thank you so much for your mercy God, thank you for your goodness, God. Lord, thank you, God, for your faithfulness to our pastor's family, to pastors Matt, Pastor Jackie, Olivia, Abby, and Hannah. God, thank you, Lord, for just your grace over their home, and God, for your grace over, God, your um, house here at Fountain. So, God, we pray for your blessing this morning. I pray, Lord, that we would have a full of faith, God, a heart that wants to see you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. I think we've all had those moments where something happened and we didn't see it coming whatsoever. Now, let me, let me give you an example, okay, from, from my childhood. So um, I was an aspiring basketball player, heavy emphasis on aspiring. And, um, you know, one of the things you look for, right, is like, man, how tall is that kid going to be, right? Obviously, talent and skill, whatever, who needs that? But how tall this kid gonna be and so for some reason um, my doctor told me that I was gonna be you know roughly six three six four you can you can laugh you can laugh it's fine I'm still going to therapy for it but it's okay it's okay <laughs> and and I was pumped as you can see I'm not you know I'm not in the six foot category at all but that didn't deter me in high school to go to not just a basketball camp, but this NBA training camp. Not, not for the NBA, but it was an NBA player that was supposed to be there, you know, sponsor you and all that good stuff, right? So, man, I'm ready. I got the shoes. I got the attitude. I'm ready to go. And um, so I'm playing the whole day. Uh, man, it wasn't, um, it wasn't what I thought. Everybody was pretty good there. Um, you know, it, it almost felt like American Idol, you know, where you're told your whole life you can sing, and then you got to sing in front of everybody. Everyone's like, ooh, that guy. Whew. Somebody help this guy out. So, but there was this one moment, okay? Listen, God is a God of grace. There was this one moment where um, in the game, there was a breakaway, right? I was at midcourt. I had the ball. Nobody was there. And I felt like the heavens opened. Everything became dark. The spotlight was on me. Now, there weren't scouts in the room, but in my head, there were scouts in the room, you know? Like, I was playing for the scouts that could potentially be in the room. And it was simple, right? Um, I am a lefty. I'm a southpaw. So, uh, southpaw's out there. Um, I love you. Okay. Um, So, I'm going up, you know, just for an easy layup. Emphasis on easy. Because the person right next to me, I thought was not next to me, they, they were clearly 60, 70 feet away from me. Somehow, by um, the enemy's attacks, I am going up. And I'm not even joking. I don't even know if it was how fast he was or how slow I was. I mean, it could have been both. 
But I, w- I was going up, and literally, this guy's knees are at my eyeballs. And it was like this, no, one of those moments. I'm telling you, I've never been blocked so hard in my life that I don't know if it was sweat, tears, but it was, it was a rough moment. And I got to tell you that if I knew that moment was coming, I would have went the other direction. I don't even know if I, I honestly went to basketball camp, but I was like, you know what? There's probably some other things I could do, you know, to have a, have a great day. Now, now, maybe you've never been swatted or blocked that hard before, but you do know what it's like to be blocked in life. You do know what it's like when you think something's going to go your way and then swat, it doesn't happen the way that you think. And we all know what it's like, right, where if you're in the Costco parking lot, maybe it's the outlets in, uh, in Livermore over here, and it's like you're going after a spot, a parking spot. It's like, man, it's right there. You got it. But then you see another car coming. Mm, you know where I'm going. And it's like, and you make eye contact, right? And say, like, hey, they're trying not to make eye contact. They know that's my spot, right? They know. And then right when the other person pulls out, man, they like, you know, hit the gas and get in there. Oh, you got blocked. Like, you got blocked in that moment. But we also know what it's like too, right? When like you come to a parking spot, you're like, oh, that's my spot. No, I, I think I was there before you, right? You get in there and they're like, hey, you blocked me. We all know what it's like to be blocked and to block somebody else. Now, in all seriousness, man, we know, man, parking spots, I mean, those are a gift from God when those things happen. But we do also know, too, when there are real blocks that hurt. And there's these external blocks, right, where maybe it's like, man, God, like, I just, I've been stuck at this job. I need, I need something different. Maybe for some of us, uh, financially, we've just been struggling. It's like, Lord, where are you? Maybe it's even a potential relationship you felt like God has promised, God has um, encouraged you with, but there's been a block. And those are all fair things. You know, I know from my life and from people that I've talked to that it's the external things, the external blocks that hurt, but it's really the internal things that hit us probably the hardest. Where for some of us, you know, when I, when I come over and preach, um, especially when it comes like with examples, um, I'm not just trying to whip something up. I'm praying, Lord, what are, what are some examples that are on your heart today? I got to tell you, what Pastor Jackie shared in worship was so prophetic. Because on my notes, I had anxiety. I had fear. I had depression on there. She said those three exact words. And I think when we feel emotionally distraught, when there is just, there is a, not just a moment of discouragement, but we are living in discouragement. Living in discouragement feels like where no matter what happens, I take one step forward, but I just take three steps back somehow. There's this, this emotional cloud of discouragement that we just can't get out of. And maybe it's even manifested itself in, just in, in how you feel physically. You're always tired and groggy. You don't have energy. But really inside, there's just a deep well of discouragement. For some of us, we feel a block mentally where just our enemy, our, um, our, our minds are always um, on attack by the enemy. There's just a lack of peace. Some of us in this room, um, we may have gotten a, a recent health scare 
So our minds are just racking up. We're full of faith, but our brains are just full of fear at the same time, too. I think if we're being honest, some of us, we feel a block spiritually. We love Jesus. We love church. But just something isn't jiving. Something isn't vibing. It's like, Lord, uh, I'm right here, but I feel like you're so far away. There's a block. And blocks seem to be so hard for, for, some reason, uh, for, for so many reasons. But I think one of the biggest reasons is this. This is how, I, how we're going to define a block today. Is a block is what I want to happen isn't happening at the moment. The desire that I have for this to happen, it's just not happening in this moment. I think, you know, I, I don't think I need to convince any of us in this room or even online that everything's going to go our way at all times. But you find it interesting that when we do get blocked, it's still a shock. It's like, what? Like, seriously? Why is this happening? Here's why. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down, that a block isn't just a stop in our circumstances, but it's a no to our will. It's not just, man, man, life is just stop, but there's something in me that's like, ooh, I want that. It's not happening. That's not fair. Like, I don't... I don't like that. Like, I, I want that, even good things, but it's not happening right now. There's, there's a block. I think when blocks happen, it reminds us the simple truth that we're not in control. Like, 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 like life in itself is beyond what we can control and do, and not in the sense of where that we don't have any agency, but in the sense that, man, I am not the ruler of this world. I am not in control of every little thing. And that can be scary when life gets blocked in that way. I think for some of us that have, um, ex- have um, made it an effort to be a self-made person, I look in the mirror and I just, I, I see success, Right? Like, I'm going to make it happen, or I'm going to put my pants on, I'm going to put my, my boots on, and we're going to make this happen. But when we have that self-made mentality, that mindset, even as believers, when life blocks us, that shakes us up. Because you could be as self-made as you are, but in a moment, that could be messed up. Even for some of us who love the Lord, um, we can, if we're not careful, we can get stuck in being religious, Religious being like, God, like, I've served you all these years. God, I've tithed all this money. Lord, I've done so much. Lord, I've sacrificed so much for you. Why is this happening to me? If we don't have a right understanding of God's will, we can blame things for God that really, it's really us and our perspective. And so, if you're taking notes, I want, I want you to get this picture because it's going to be really helpful for today. Is that in one area, we have what we want to happen. And then the other uh, center right here is what's actually happening right now. And in this area, it's called the gap. The gap is the place where it's the middle ground from what we really, truly want. Even the good things, but what's actually happening right now. Now, the gap... The gap can be scary. It can be hard. It's in the gap where you feel vulnerable. It's in the gap where you can just feel so alone. But also, if you trust the Lord, if you turn your heart to him, the gap can be a place where you grow the most. 
the gap could be the place where God does his best work. If we really allow the Lord to speak to us in this moment, for some of us, we're going to stop despising the gap and we're going to allow God to develop us in the gap, through the gap, and outside the gap as well. But it's in the gap where, man, it gets a little, can get a little messy. It's where, man, our real motives get exposed. It's where the mask can, the mask come off and we really are vulnerable before the Lord. You know, this reminds me of John chapter 9. And this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. It says this in John chapter 9, verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Talk about a block. His whole life being blind. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Now, I, I want us to really take an understanding of what, of how the disciples and potentially us, when life is hard, when life is difficult, when there aren't easy answers, it's really easy to try to find a scapegoat. Well, was it because of this? Like, what did he do wrong? Like, was it his parents? Was it him? It's those what ifs and the, and the what is that can get us into trouble. It's those questions in the gap. Not, not having questions, but asking the wrong questions in the gap. And I love what, how Jesus answers them in verse 3. He says this. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. You know what I love about this and is equally as hard is that Jesus doesn't directly answer their question. He's like, no, no, no. It wasn't his parents. It, 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 wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't him. But this happens so that the power of God can be displayed. There are some things that, man, when we're in the gap, we can be so clouded, so um, heavy by all these questions we have. But I got to tell you something, is that God's infinite wisdom is way better than our limited knowledge in the moment. And so it's in those times where, man, we want to trust, we want to pursue and really trust in God's character. And so in the gap today, we need to have something that's going to stake us to the ground. What's going to make us stable? What's going to keep us solid in the storm? And it's this statement, okay, that we're going to work with today. Is that because God, um, keep going, because God is in control and good, we can trust and follow him confidently. Because God is infinitely good and infinitely controlled, because of those two things, I can trust him. I can follow him. I can, wherever he takes me, I can go. I may not know where I'm going, but step by step, I can follow him today. And so what I want to do in in this message is that we're going to do a a really brief part of Joseph's story um, in the book of Genesis. And so uh, you guys can go ahead and turn your Bibles in Genesis chapter 39 um, in your Bible, on your phone. And let me give you some context. So Joseph, he was a dreamer. In fact, he had a dream one day that not just the world, but his family, his brothers were all going to be subject to him. Now, there's some dreams you should say out loud. 
There's some dreams, man, you better make sure, man, you don't want to get beat up, right? And so um, he, he, he told his dream, long story short, his brothers didn't like it so much that one day when they were in the fields, um, they had the intent to actually murder and kill Joseph. Um, the only reason why they didn't because they realized, you know what, we could actually make some money. Um, so we're not going to kill him. We're going to uh, sell him into slavery, make some money, um, and um, call it a day. And it's, it's even in those gaps, those hard moments where God's sovereignty, his goodness is working in those moments. But we pick up from the story where Joseph has been sold into slavery. And so what it says in Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelites traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Continue. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this, and he realized the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. Continue. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From, from that day, Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property. The Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So you get this picture, right? where I gave us a quick context, Joseph, I mean, one of the biggest blocks in life, his family turns against him, tries to murder him, sells him to, 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 to slavery, and now he's not even in his own home. He's in Egypt. He's in Potiphar's household as a slave. But then there's this key line in verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph in his gap and even in his hardest moments. And not just that, God gave him success in the gap. God gave him success when everything around him was not working. He gave him grace and he made him successful so much that not just him, but even Potiphar noticed. Like, man, there's something there's something different about this man of God. There's something different about this person. So much that um, Potiphar distinguished him, made him his personal leader, and now Joseph is running everything around him. Can I tell you that nothing will distinguish you more in this world than the presence of God? Nothing will distinguish you more than God's presence, his Holy Spirit in our lives. Here's the thing. You know what didn't impress Potiphar? It wasn't Joseph's clothes. It wasn't his success. It wasn't his fame. It wasn't any of those things. Why? Because Potiphar had it all. He's a ruler in Egypt, right? Everything you could think of in, in, in the world of Egypt, Potiphar already had. But there was something about Joseph's life that made him distinct, that made him different, that made him bold. So much that Potiphar was like, and he, he, he didn't even say a man of God, but in, 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 in today's world, he, he might have said, wow, that guy's, he's kind of spiritual. I can't, I can't put words to it, but it's like there's something different about him. You know what it was? It was the presence of God. It was the Holy Spirit. And even in Joseph's worst moments, people saw and experienced what it's like to have God's favor, 
Can I tell you, we need to make that our own aim in our lives, is that when people experience, when people see us, we want them to see the power of God and the presence of God in our lives. Nothing will substitute God's presence in our lives, and you cannot miss a person that's marked by the Holy Spirit. You just can't. And so Joseph, even in his gap, even in Egypt, even um, being under Potiphar's rule, he's thriving in the gap. He has the grace of God, he has the power of God, and he's growing in the gap. But then it continues in verse 6. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Verse 7. And Potiphar's wife began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Now, there's some sins that are subtle. <laughs> and there are some sins like, whoa, listen. Six feet, 10 feet, 20 feet, you know, like, whoa, right? I mean, she was making it blatantly clear what she intended and the sin behind it. Now, it's easy to read this story and be like, man, this is a story about temptation and seduction, right? Joseph has power. Oh, what is he going to do? I would propose to you that's part of the temptation, but I believe there's something bigger going on. I think the bigger is that Joseph, man, just got blocked by life. He's in a horrible situation. He got, you know, tossed and turned. Finally, he's at a point in his life where he feels a sense of control. I'm in it. Like, I've got power now. I've got authority, right? If I wanted to do this act, this evil deed, I could, and I'd be good. So when you are in the gap, the, one of the biggest questions you will ask, I mean, the, the, one of the biggest questions you will answer too is, who is in control of your life? Who do you belong to? Because when, when life gets blocked over and over again, the, the, the sinful nature inside of us wants to control. I, I'm, I'm entitled now. I can do this right. I'm good. Almost this sense of relief. I'm back in control. Joseph's like, oh, heck no. No, 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 no. This is what he said. No one here has more authority than I do. He has, and he's talking about Potiphar. Potiphar has held nothing back from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a, a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. You see, you see Joseph's mindset in the gap where and we, we, we have to know our true north. Because when you're in the gap and you're struggling, you will try to find things to comfort you. But equally so, when you are outside the gap, you still need to have a true north. Because in one moment, right, Joseph's, it's hard, it's discouraging, right? He needs relief. But then what happens when you're out of the gap when you have freedom then? What's going what's gonna, to what's gonna make up your decisions? What's going to guide you? What's really going to control you when you're outside of the gap? And so Joseph, in one moment, he's in a prison. In another moment, he's in the palace. But that did not change Joseph one bit. 
In one second, he's restrained by the Holy Spirit because he's in the prison. But in another moment, he's still restrained by the Holy Spirit because the question, uh, his answer to that question, who's in control of my life? It's not me. Like, I belong to the Lord. In fact, he says, listen, Potiphar, he's given me everything. He's trusted me, like, with, with his household, with his work, his empire. So why would I do that? But then, not equally, but more important, how could I do such a wicked thing to God? You know, this story reminds me um, of a book that Patrick Lencioni wrote. If you don't know who Patrick Lencioni is, he is um, incredible at organizational health and businesses and churches. And he writes so many, so many great things on those uh, topics. But he wrote a book two years ago, and it's called The Motive. And I, I, really, I, I really took this book in, into consideration. He's like, you know, I've written 12, 15 books, but I wish I would have wrote this book first. Because if you don't get your motive right before you go into leadership, bad results happen. And so if you want to read the book, great. But let me give you like a two-minute summary, okay? Save you some time. He talks about there is reward-based leadership, and then there is responsibility-based leadership. Now, none of us are... are are one or the other. We will have a little bit of both if we're not careful, but we got to see which side are we more on. Reward-based leadership is that me being a leader is a reward for something I've done good. And so like, I feel good. I'm great. You know, I'm, I'm awesome. But the hardest part about a reward-centered leader is that because leadership is a reward to you and for you and how awesome you are, you refuse to do the hard things. So if you got to sacrifice your team, no. I'm good. You got to have like a hard conversation. Uh, that's too uncomfortable. I'm not going to do it. It's a reward center based leadership. But then there's a responsibility based leadership where, man, I've been given so much. I've been given so much responsibility that I will do whatever it takes. I will own it completely because this is my responsibility. And not to say there isn't rewards to it, not to say there isn't um, any good benefits, but the motive, the heartbeat of why I'm here is because it's a responsibility and the reward will follow. And I thought, you know, Joseph got it right. He had the right motive. And it went even past a responsibility-based motive, but it was a gospel motive. But how could... How could I do disobey God so much when God's given me so much in return? And listen, this guy, he's in the biggest gap of his life. He, his life's been turned upside down. He shouldn't be there. He's flourishing. And even in this moment, he's saying, God, I don't want to do anything that would despise you or to cause any division between us. His motive isn't, I don't want to get in trouble. His motive is, I want to please God. Really what Joseph is saying is, he fears God. And so I love what Proverbs, if you've been in the one-year Bible, my goodness, this is so, if you haven't been, let me encourage you. Like, the one-year Bible is legit. This is what it said this past week. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools, the Bible is calling us a fool, despise wisdom and discipline. It continues in chapter three. I love what it says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Continue. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Really, what the Proverbs is telling us is, and when we fear God, we're not going to be foolish. We're not going to depend on our own understanding. We're actually going to lean towards, uh, lean on God and have him grow us and lead us into that next part. And so sometimes we talk about the fear of God. It's like, ooh, like, do I want to be afraid of God? Like, does that, does that feel right? Someone's like, dude, trust me. Pastor Chris, I'm afraid of God. Like, I'm freaked out. I remember um, when I was in high school, I was a senior, and I was really trying to get my friends, like, to church and the Lord. And this was one of my friends. His name's Mike. Um, and he would literally, I invited him for two years. I was like, and finally, I was like, bro, like, just, just come one time. Like, I don't care if you don't believe. Just do it, like, do it for me. He's like, dude, I can't. And I was like, what do you mean you can't? Like, you don't, you don't have a job. You don't do anything. Like, you can come to church. We had, we had that relationship. I'm like, just, just come, you know? And he's like, no, dude, you don't get it. I'm a sinner. I'm like, I, I know. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm inviting you. Come, come on. <laughs> like, come to church. And he goes, no, no, you don't understand. If I come into church, God's literally going to kill me. And I started heck of laughing. I was like, oh, <laughs> are you serious? Because he's a jokester, you know? And I looked at him. I was like, oh, he's not joking. I felt, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, no, he's not going to kill me. But dude, if he was going to kill anyone, he killed me first. Like, you're good, you know? And but I realized, no, like, that's not the fear, you know, that we're talking about. If you take a note, you can jot this down. The fear of God is this, is that the fear of the Lord is a reverent fear that produces holiness and intimacy. And so you constantly see in the scriptures, even in our one-year Bible this last week, when we see Moses, me and the Lord for the first time in a burning bush. Moses wasn't casually, hey, what's up, God? Woo, the bush, it's still burning. He's like, whoa. What is going on? And what did, what did the Lord say to Moses? Moses, you are on holy ground, my friend. Take off those sandals. We constantly see that God is, is working and moving, but Moses had to see that God is holy. He is set apart. But also, what also happens is there's an intimacy that happens. So when we truly fear God, we don't just fear the consequences, but we fear of not having that closeness with him, that intimacy with him, that love for him. You know, when I was thinking about this this prior week, this reminded me when years ago, um, probably about 10 years ago, I was just in this, I was just in this funky season. Everything was weird. I felt weird. I, my, my walk, with, I love Jesus, but it just, this wasn't connecting with God. And I, I knew it wasn't him, it was me. <laughs> like, like, what's your problem, Chris? And I remember I was um, at a retreat. I was in Tahoe. Um, well, all my friends were uh, snowboarding. Um, I'm not the most capable snowboarder, so I stayed home um, that, that, that time. But I was like, God, like, I, I really want you to meet me in this moment. So I'm praying hard. I'm rehired. You know those moments like, God, I'm going to break through whether you like it or not. And then you get there, you're like, man, I'm not breaking through. <laughs> this stinks. And I was, I was just discouraged so much. I remember the Lord was speaking to me in that moment. This doesn't happen all the time. So, but I remember the Lord was speaking to my heart. Chris, I, I want you to sit up in a chair. I want you to close your eyes. So I did. I felt like the Lord gave me a vision. And he gave me a vision of him on his, on his throne. Um, 
Um, I, I, was, I, I was sitting in my chair. He was sitting over there on, um, on, his, on his throne. And I remember, I couldn't see his expression. I was like, I just can't. It was almost like I, I couldn't. I had my glasses on. I was like, I, I can't see, like, you know, your, your expression right now. I remember just in a moment, it happened. I saw his face. And I was like, oh, my gosh, God, you're so holy. Like, like you're, you're so incredible. But then I also saw just the goodness of God, the sweetness of God. And I was like, God, like, you see me amongst everybody? And I remember in that moment, I realized the problem wasn't how much time I was spending with God. The problem wasn't any of those things. The real problem was I lost my all of God. God's presence just became familiar to me. God's presence just became a, just a casual thing. And I didn't realize I'm in a relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Like, I'm in a relationship with the God who formed everything, the heavens, earth, and even me, and he knows my name. I don't want to forget that moment. And so I want to ask the question this morning. When's the last time you were awestruck by God's presence? And I don't just mean emotions. Emotions can be involved. But when was the last time you're like, oh, my gosh, God, like, there's nobody like you. Like, you're so worthy. You know, the reason why we linger in worship isn't because we don't know which next song we're going to sing. It's because his presence is our passion, and we want to see him more clearly. We want to follow him deeply, and we want to see all who God is in those spaces, okay? And so Joseph, he had that experience. He experienced God's holiness, his grace, and now we go to the next part of the story, which I wish we had time to talk about, but um, basically uh, Potiphar's wife, man, she didn't stop hunting after Joseph, and at one point she's like, I'm, I'm going to have you whether you like it or not. Well, just like, nope, you're not, and he literally ran away. Uh, his coat ripped. She claimed that he raped her, and when Potiphar found out, he's furious. And this is what he said. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph treated her. So he took Joseph and he threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. Continue. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden, you got to laugh at this, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened to prison. You know that person that's always positive? You're like, man, you're so annoying for how positive you are. You're like, you're heck of fake, dude. Like, like I know, I know you're going to be negative. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch you being negative. And you're like, man, maybe I'm the negative person, right? But you're like, man, wait, this is the real deal. And I'm thinking like, man, this is Joseph. It, it wasn't like he didn't have hard days. It wasn't like he probably didn't have some bad moments. But when you look at scripture, no matter where Joseph was, palace, prison, gap, no gap, God was faithful to him. There was always a grace in the gap. I want to encourage you this morning. If you feel like you're just in a prison right now and you've been blocked, there is grace in the gap. The same faithful love that God showed Joseph, God wants to show you. You don't got to work for it. You don't got to earn it right. You don't got to just put your face to the ground for 10 hours. You just got to receive it today and know that God is for you. He loves you. He sees you. You are not in that prison by accident. And we're not going to say that, you know, we know that 
when bad things happen, God is not the author of it, but he does take every single detail of our lives and he makes it according to his purpose and his glory. And so there is grace in the gap. How did Joseph, no matter where he was, his spirit was clean. No matter where he was, his perspective was on point. No matter where he was, Joseph was um, toward on where he needed to go. Why was that? Again, Scripture doesn't make it completely clear, but we do know this. is that God was faithful, God was good, and Joseph responded to it. There was a grace in the gap. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down that, you know, while the world would see his life as a demotion, God saw it as a promotion. See, in the gap, the reason why it can feel like, oh, I'm just being demoted. And I'm not like, I'm not going like to, to where I need to go is because we have a picture in our heads where we think we should be. But God's like, I'm going to take you somewhere different. There's a place that I see that you don't see. There is a part of your heart that needs to be transformed. And I, I do not subscribe to, we don't subscribe to this idea that because if you're going through a hard time, God's trying to teach you something. It's almost like God needs to use bad circumstances to grow us. Absolutely not. But God does use some of our dumb moments that we do, and some of the moments that are done to us, and he turns it into good. And so there is, a, there is a grace in the gap that God has for you. This, um, this, uh, this may coming up, sorry. <laughs> um, it's going to be five years since I knew a week I was going to share this, but I'm still messed up. It's crazy. Um, five, five years ago that, um, our baby Ezra, uh, passed away, um, went to, went with Jesus, um, 30 minutes after she was born. And I got to tell you, that was a big block. Like that hurt. It still hurts. (laughs) As you can tell. And I remember telling the Lord, I, 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 don't, I don't need to feel these good emotions. I don't need to um, be on this mountain hill. You don't need to change our circumstances. I just want to know that, that you're with me. I just want to know that you're, you're in the gap with me. <laughs> I got to tell you, there was so many moments, more than I can even remember now, where wasn't like this big, this big mountain moment, this big highlight, this big emotion, but these, these, these little encouragements where, God, you've got me. A little verse here, a little encouragement there, and this overwhelming sense that, God, even in the gap, you're going to grow my wife and I. And that verse I read earlier, it was very subtle, but in John chapter 9, we mentioned that story that was a verse that God gave me during that time. So when I share that, I'm not sharing just to hype you up. Yeah, like, let's just trust God. No, I hung on to that. Where, was this because of the parents' sin? Was that because of this person? Was it because of that circumstance? No, no, no. This happens so that the glory of God could be displayed. <laughs> and, <laughs> and now, in March of this year, um, our beautiful baby, Alora, 
It's going to be one years old. And it can be so easy to think, oh, like God really came through with your baby. I got to tell you, he came through with both. And there was grace for one moment, and now there's a grace for another moment. For some of us in, our, in, in this room and online, we feel like God's grace comes in a result. That if God can do this this way, then I'll be good. And I, can I just say humbly to you, God is so much bigger than that. He knows exactly what you need. He's with you in the prison. He's with you in the palace. He's with you in the gap. There is grace in the gap. I don't know what you need. To, I don't know what you need today, but God does. And there's grace for you. Hebrews 4 tells us that we can approach his throne with confidence and boldness and with grace. So can I just encourage you this morning? Come to his throne with boldness. Come to his throne with confidence today. Because like Joseph, whether you're in the palace, whether you're in prison, God's faithful love is with you. And he wants to strengthen you this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, that you're not moved by circumstances. You're not moved by things, Lord, that we don't see. But God, you turn all things, God, according to your goodness and to your pleasure. So thank you, God, that we got to hear your word this morning. And God, I know that there is probably some of us in this room and also online that have never trusted you as their Lord and Savior for the first time. And Jesus, you made it so simple and clear that you died the death we should have died. We lived the li- you lived the life that we should have lived. And you took our sins upon you and you died for us. You rose again. And those who place their faith in you will have new life, will have resurrection, and will belong to you forever. If you're in this room this morning, and if you've never made the decision to follow Jesus with your whole heart, confess your sins and believe in him, I'm just going to ask you just to raise your hand. I just want to agree with you right now that God would bring you home. Hallelujah. God, I thank you for your grace in the gap. God, I thank you that you are bringing people home today and that, God, that we could trust you um, with everything because you're good, you're in control. We can follow you confidently and wholeheartedly. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give God some glory right now? Can we thank him? Hallelujah. Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.